G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey and welcome to I'm Loving Your Work. Today on the show, we have Peter Stubbs, better known as Grubby. Grubby, with his on-air partner DD, have been in Melbourne radio for nearly 30 years. Over the next two weeks, I'll be interviewing both Grubby and DD and finding out their perspectives on how radio has changed in the time that they've been involved. Grubby had a really interesting way of getting into radio, as we'll go through today. And I think he's a great example of someone who knew what he wanted to do and took his opportunity when it came along. I hope you enjoy my chat with Grubby, Peter Stubbs. Grubby, thank you so much for being with us today. Good to have you. Uh, good to be here, Ryan. Nice yeah. to be anywhere, as a matter of fact, this uh, time of the day, but uh, good to see you, mate. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, um, I've been, really been looking forward to, to speaking to you. As I sort of mentioned a little bit off air, radio is one area that I've had a strong interest in yeah. sort of from way back. And, yeah. uh, and obviously, just being so sort of, I suppose, established in the area, it's, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting this opportunity. Yeah, oh, thanks, mate. You get veteran in front of your name now. Yeah. <laughs> veteran broadcaster, yeah, which, look, isn't a bad thing. I, yeah, you know, I've had. Sure. Uh, but uh, 30-something years in the business now. So, um, yeah, it yeah. turned into a real job. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing a lot about that. But uh, first, I'd like to start the show with sort of a similar question with, with all my guests. Yeah. And that was when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grow up? And I had no idea. Yeah, I just okay. had no idea whatsoever. Um, I was educated in uh, state primary schools in WA. We went to WA to live. Dad worked for three years when I was about five, then Adelaide for two years, and then came back to Melbourne where I started at Wesley College in 1964. And it was a boys' school in those days. Have you read the book Lord of the Flies? Yes. A little bit like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. But good fun. Um, And I really had no idea. I just still stumbled through school. I loved my mates. I loved sport. Um got on well with people. I always thought, or Dad always thought, it might be something in sales, marketing, sort of humanity side of things, not a scientific type brain. So it's always going to be something that involved people, but nobody was quite sure what. Yeah, well, actually, I think your story is one of the more interesting stories that I've come across yeah. because, um, now correct me if I'm wrong here, but was it your love of footy statistics that almost kind of, I suppose, introduced you to the idea of radio or, or first got you into radio? Well, it did because I, um, I, you know, that's what I used to read the Sporting Globe um, on Saturday nights. I didn't do my schoolwork and I love music and I love football and stats and so on and my brother Richard, it was a, it was a long story short, he, he graduated at uh, Monash doing economics, started working for a big mining company, had a mate who worked at the Last Laugh Theatre restaurant in the early 80s, who said, look, you're saving up for an overseas trip, Richard, come get a bit of cash and do some waitering. Now in those days, John Pinder had it organised, the waiters were kind of characters as well, they all dressed a bit funny, they said funny stuff at tables, it was all part of it, and they all liked Richard, they said, did you... You should try out your stuff at Le Joke upstairs, which is like a tryout room. Now, this is right at the time that everybody was getting going. This is the, the new wave of Melbourne comedy. You know, so people like Glenn Robbins and yeah, Shane Bourne and Wendy dog. Harmer and all those people were starting. Working Dog were probably just about D-Generation ABC. Okay, yeah. They were still yeah. at Melbourne Uni. So it was all of that big push sort of all, all seemed to happen sort of in the early 80s, Gina Riley and so on. So anyway, um, he did that. He went to America and came back and did five or ten minutes on how funny Americans are. And everyone said, oh, he's good. We'll get him back. 
and then one day in walked a guy from Radio Station 3XY. And around about that time, people were putting together um, overseas, and there was a radio program called Z100 Zoo in New York City. And they're putting together a zoo crew type thing. So you'd have your main DJ guy and you'd have a comedian. You'd have a couple of other characters that worked in and out. They might be the sport guy and this guy and that guy. And Richard said he started, this guy recruited Richard and uh, had to give up the day job and thought, okay, I'll start doing this. Um, he rang me up and said, look, why don't you ring in one morning on your way to work? I was working in the fashion industry. I was on my way out to work. Ring in one morning. Do your best Harry Beitzel. He was a very famous football commentator of that period and we'll just talk about the games sure I can do that put the phone down made a call in Canterbury Road Box Hill or wherever it was and um, that was the end of that but then they rang up and said oh why don't you come in and do that in the studio with us oh okay now I was about 31 being a baby boomer I'd been married for years I'd got two children the mortgage and, and I thought this is fun this is fun this is really fun and uh, then they started paying me. I was still working a straight job. I thought, they're paying me for this? I can't believe I'm getting money for this. This is ridiculous. So that's kind of how things kicked off. Yeah, it, it, but it wasn't, as you say, it was an unusual entry. And because I was relatively mature age and had a family and everything else, I was always lucky that my feet were sort of pretty much firmly on the ground. Yeah, okay. Because it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose one thing... One of the things that we like to talk about on the show is that whole idea of, I suppose, taking a cubic centimetre of chance. Yeah, yeah. And they, I think these days there's so much sort of uncertainty around with the job market and stuff, but there's all these people who have all these sort of passions which are almost kind of hidden away sort yeah. of thing. And so I think one of the things I'm, I'm almost sort of trying to get out of the show is finding a way to bring those passions into yeah. the job, whether it's sort of, yeah, following a, following a lead on, on something that you never would think would be a kind of legitimate job option no. later on. Oh, no. no. Yeah. Oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, my wife said to me at the time, she said, look, unless you really have a crack at this, you're going to be pain in the neck to live with for the next 30 years. You're not, you're, you're not going to be happy. You're going to get to your 60s or something, think, oh, well, I could have done or maybe I should have taken that chance. You've actually got to. But I got invited back time and time again and until uh, they sort of said, well, look, why don't you come and do this. So when you're working in the fashion industry at this time, did you always sort of think of yourself as someone who might end up, uh, I suppose, uh, being able to draw on those skills with your kind of memory of footy statistics and, and music and stuff? Or was that very much a kind of hobby area hobby. for you at the time? Yeah. Hobby. And you hit the nail on the head, right? Because uh, it, was, it was a love of stuff, mm. you know. But I found that um, loving something and loving doing what you're doing and people being accepting of what you're doing I thought how long has this been going on for and I remember being invited to a, a meeting one day uh, amongst all the on-air announcers and uh, we're all sitting around a boardroom table and nobody's in a suit and uh, Shirley Strawn was there he said come over here and sit here mate you know, he was on air at the time lovely guy and I sat there and uh, the boss got up and said now we're discussing this video um, whether we should promote it or get behind it or something. And I put this Eric Clapton video on with Phil Collins or someone playing, and I'm thinking, am I sitting around a boardroom table discussing this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> i got Cheryl sitting next to me. Oh, you're pretty good, mate. You should keep it up, you know. And that sort of thing. And I'm thinking, really? How yeah. I, what's this? Yeah. Is this a job? Really? Look at how I'm doing. And then I, I was gone. I was hooked. 
And um, so the more I did, the more people wanted me back and, and so on. I, look, I'm very lucky, but uh, I was encouraged by a lot of people. Uh, late Peter O'Callaghan, who was a, a veteran and a terrific DJ for years, so encouraging. And um, then as I moved on, 3XY sort of went light and easy or whatever the dickheads went and did with it. Um, and I got an offer from Fox FM after that. Yeah, and so that was where you first first came across DD, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did that come to be that you guys were, started working together? Well, we uh, – there was a – I was invited to join the, the then Fox Morning Crew in 1988. And uh, I don't think I was the most loved person initially because there was this new guy coming on and they were doing very well. But I met DD then. And uh, there wasn't what you would call instant rapport. We're part of a crew. I think she's a bit wary of where I was coming from and who I was. I think she mistook my exuberance for arrogance a bit, which is, I think, understandable. And I was still very much... I, I felt myself very very green. But she she was just out of journalism. So she was about 26. I was about 32 or 3 or whatever I was. About eight and a half years older than her. Um, and so that was 30 years ago. Okay, this this year. But then the more we work together, we've got this fantastic mutual love and respect for each other. And we became a, a duo after that. Yeah. Do you have artistic differences? Yeah, we do. We do. What, what sort of the, I suppose, the tone of those? Uh, music, mainly. Yep. Um, my musical tastes are, are not pop music, yep. necessarily. Sure. I mean, I can appreciate, look, I'm sure the Spice Girls were great, but I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not interested. Um, I'm sure One D and all that are great too, but I'm not interested. I, I like um, I like I like dirty rock and roll, and I like blues and uh, you know electric stuff from the late forties, early fifties from Chicago, and uh, and I also love classical music. And my taste in music are pretty broad, and I play a lot of it, and I'm rather passionate about it. Whereas her musical taste would be kindly described as lightweight, but that's okay. That's fine. It's, it's just pop music, so we'd probably differ there a bit. And how would you describe, I suppose, both of the roles that you play within the duo? We're very even. It's a very even show. I think one of the surprises that we've had in the male-female, it's never been the deep-voiced DJ and the little lady giggling on the side because that, that has been done to death. Um, so my humour matches... Uh, my humour is fairly dry and self-deprecating. And so... We are very much a team. We're very much an even team, and that's off air as well. And that that's worked for us. And when we hear about stories about pay parity, you know, and we just laugh because we organised a long time ago with contracts. We are going to get exactly the same money as we became an actual duo and started doing. We did, uh, you know, we were the two main people on Breakfast at Fox for a long time. Then that broke up, and we did mornings at Fox for a little while, nine to twelve. I think we filled in for Drive for a couple of months before Martin Malloy came in and then we did mornings for a few years and became a real duo and that's when ARN Goal FM pinched us at the end of 98. I think Dee thought she was far too young to go to gold but yeah. actually it was a good move because we, we lasted 13 years there. Yeah, so that, that's uh, actually where I first came across yeah. you. I remember listening to Gold 104 in the, on the bus on the way to primary school. Yeah, really. With Grubby and Dee Dee yeah, in the morning. Yeah. Was, that in, was that in Geelong? That was in Geelong, yeah. a yeah. few bus drivers had us on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which is fun. But look, the, most of that was a really good time. I mean, it ended a bit nasty but, you know, mm. that's the way it goes sometimes. And so when you were sort of finishing up at Fox FM, did you have in your, I suppose, head at that time that you and DD would continue on as a partnership? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, definitely. And so how, was that, I suppose, spoken about or did that sort of just organically come about that after a while it was almost unwritten that you were going to continue together? I was, oh no, that was, that was always going to happen as a, as a double. And the circumstances, well, I was, I turned 44 and I, I really thought, geez, I'm getting a bit long in the tooth for Fox. I mean, it doesn't matter now. I mean, Kate Langbrook's 53 and she's happily, happily there. I, don't, I was probably a little bit age conscious, but I couldn't see it really going a long way. And I still had, you know, family. And I, I wanted to do a few things yet. So I approached um, the general manager of ARN at the time, who was, I think it was Double T, and then they changed the mix, now they're Kiss and Gold, and said, look, uh, we're at Fox, but I'm interested in coming over. And he said, which one? I said, well, probably Gold for longevity. And, you know, I think Dee was a bit, she was never that thrilled about it. But... She went with it, and it did give us longevity. And then she had a couple of kids, and sort of yeah. There's a few fairly unstable years as far as she was concerned, but the duo was good, and we did fine. Um, but it was always going to be she and I, yeah, absolutely. And so, what are some of the differences between say Gold One Hundred and Four and Fox, and even Three AW in terms of say the the audience and content? Is is there much of a difference, or yeah. would your audience sort of follow you? No, I don't think so. It doesn't happen quite as much as it does in Sydney. I mean, if you, you if uh, like when Kyle and Jackie O left Today FM in um, Sydney and went to Kiss, their audience followed them over, but they're not dissimilar formats. And Today FM haven't recovered, so Kyle and Jackie O can say <laughs> we caused that. That's a bit more of a Sydney thing, I think. Um, we were pretty popular and pretty strong, but we left. We we left sort of. We had a Didi had I think twelve years there, and I'd had ten. Um, and we just said, well, we're out of here. And they weren't too thrilled, but look, they were, they were okay. I, look, they would have got rid of us eventually anyway. Um, and the gold format, obviously, it was an older music, a slightly older demographic. Diddy obviously was a bit daggy for her because she liked the Fox, you know, the Spice Girls and all that, whereas I was more thinking, well, I'd really, I'm, you know, I, I know nine-year-old, you know, daughters of friends of ours playing the Spice Girls. I'm not really, <laughs> yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy with it. Um, so we moved over and uh, look, the format's different again. AW is a completely different beast again because at, at, at AW, what they tend to do is they once once they get you in there, and that's the hard bit breaking in, is they say, all right, you've had you know sixty odd years between you doing radio in Melbourne, we're going to leave you to it. But if our audience like you and the ratings are fine, yeah, you you're here. But um, if they're not, you're not. And that's fine, but they leave you to it. Whereas FM radio, because there's so many FM stations, it's micromanaged. You know, we'd go over and over stuff, you know. You'd be up at 4am and you'd be sitting there with some bloke who's never been on air in his life telling you what you did at 5.30 something. It's wearying. Whereas here they kind of leave you to it, but they have uh, expectations. And that's okay. That's fine. Suits us. Absolutely. And so how, how do you decide what to talk about over the course of a show? So when, when you're there discussing sort of what your audience may like and what it may not like, are you going off 3AW's existing audience? Are you thinking, okay, we want to create our own show, which is going to sort of flourish with the people who come across us and enjoy listening to it and continue listening to it? Good question. Um, yeah, what's, what's the process? Good involved? question. It's, it's a little bit of both. Uh, you've got to be conscious of who your audience is. A guy that used to run on stereo, a guy called Paul Thompson, who's a very innovative, great radio guy, he said, your audience is number one. 
There is nothing else but your audience. That is it. You are super serving your audience. So you can't go off on tangents. I mean, Carl Sandilands can get on air and drop the magic word and do what he likes. We did that at AW. It'll be it'll be slaughter. We've got people of a, of a of a much older age group who really rely on us for company and 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 bit of entertainment, bit of fun. Being a weekend show, it's like kind of the good weekend age magazine. So there's a bit of everything. There might be something interesting to you. Might be a couple of regular features. You've got a pitch at, at, at that certain audience. But in saying that, it's also good to introduce people to things. Didi does this terrific show on Friday night in the um, seven months here called Trending, which is kind of what's what's happening. Now it's news. People like they've got a journalistic background, so people like that still know news and still know about new stuff. But you don't hammer them that much with you know really super contemporary blah 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 yeah you know talk, a, talk about yeah you, well, we don't do that yeah. we don't do that um and we don't do you know silly sort of fm chatter about you know faking orgasms i don't know what they, i don't know what they're talking about the moment but we don't we don't do that either so you, you, it's for your audience all the time. Yeah. And as part of that being on the weekend, do you think, was there much difference between a weekday audience and then a weekend audience? Or was yeah. it more sort of the demographics of the stations which sort of Look, I, th- I, think, I think the um, audience are pretty much there. I mean, on a, on a talk format, particularly in Melbourne, people tend to listen to uh, breakfast very heavily. The Ross and John and uh, whoever's on the ABC at the moment rate very well between them. There's only two stations but they rate very well between them. People like their talk and everything else and news and then through Neil and John Fain and drops off a little bit in the afternoon, but still very strong on, on AW with Dennis and Tom and so on. Weekends, look, we touch a few subjects which might be very newsy with certain of our contributors like Luke Dennehy looks behind the news. He's a Herald Sun guy for years, not anymore, but he'll touch a few subjects. And, and it's our view of things. Now, Neil may have already talked about it, Tom may have already talked about it, but this is our view on it. Yes, yeah. So it's, it, it, it's slightly maybe lighter, might be a bit different. Calls come in. We've been accused of being right-wing. We've been accused of being left-wing. I mean, all the presenters here get a bit of that. Yeah. But it's kind of the weekend. It's afternoons. Leave it alone. The show that's on Sunday morning between 10 and 12 is is political. Uh, there's Darren. There's, at the moment, Rita Panahi, uh, Nick McCallum. It's political, and, and that's good. That's great. But then we come on, and it's pretty... We've got Glenn Robbins in the first hour. Yeah. And so we're talking about weird stuff that Glenn's done. Glenn will say, you know, why were those two girls laughing at me when I was walking down the beach in a Panama hat, but my friend was wearing one too, and I think they were laughing. Do you think they were laughing? <laughs> yeah. I, I, so he, he'll take it in a completely different direction again, Yeah. Um, which is a good tonic after the two hours we've had. But it's, it's, it's lighter, it's, it is lighter. It's not the demographic. I think, I think the audience, you know, we go out in the garden with our people take radios out in the garden. They're listening at home. They're, they're in the car a bit. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's lighter weight. And so you mentioned Glenn Robbins there, which, you know, I'm a massive Glenn Robbins fan myself. And uh, I know that you've interviewed people with, you know, so, such as people like Harrison Ford and yep. Steve Carell and these sort of big mega stars. Uh, 
who, who have been some of your favourite people to work with, oh, I suppose, outside of DD, of course? Uh, to work or, with? Or to interview? Or oh, look, to, I, look yeah. I, I, I suppose if I go back over years at Fox, I mean, Peter Moon was hilarious. Um, Michael Veach, those guys were terrific. Um, yeah, they, they, they were really good. Um, you know, the big stars, probably the one guy I would have a beard, Matt Damon. Yeah, okay. Ripper bloke. Yeah. Ripper bloke. Because he followed the Boston Red Sox. I followed the Swans. Now, when I first interviewed him, the Swans hadn't won since 72 years. He said, I can beat that. The Red Sox have won since 1918 or something. By the time he came back, we'd won and he'd won. Yeah, absolutely. He said, your team won, didn't they? I said, yeah, they did. And you so did yours. You know, good on you, mate. Oh, yeah, good on him. Yeah, yeah, he was that sort of guy. Yeah. which I suppose not so much the perception you have, say, watching Team America, that movie nah. where sort of Matt Damon No, 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 no. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's a really good guy. Um, Harrison Ford was, Jesus, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, very yeah, professional. Yeah, do you get starstruck much? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, not, look, it, it, it's a funny thing. Once you get past the minders, you, know, you cannot ask Mr. Ford about uh, this or that, you know. Once you actually sit down with them, the microphone's on. Most people, look, they're there to sell something. You're to help them sell, and that's okay. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed, um, uh, what's Golly Horn's daughter's name again? Um, um, Gwyneth Pelch? No, no, Pelch. the other one. Uh, Kate Hudson, sorry. Of course it is. Um, her and Owen Wilson. They're, they're very nice people. Yeah. But, but, but when somebody comes out to promote a movie and you all have to line up at the door and go in and, you know, they're selling something... You're helping them do that. So we're all okay. But then when the microphone's off, what sort of people are they? Are they okay? Are they nice? Are they... So I found Pamela Stevenson was absolutely shut down after the microphone went off. She just didn't want to have eye contact. Other people say, thanks, mate. That's really good. It's good. What are you doing around? You know, you're hanging out. Fancy beer. You know, that sort of vibe. But uh, now Bette Midler was another one who we interviewed on the phone. Did not want to play. Did not want to play at all. Now, I can't remember what she's promoting. She's absolutely... Well, she was a cow. I mean, she's just unpleasant. Um, Barry Humphreys is a remarkable guy. He, I've loved his work since I first saw him you know, at the age of 18. And he's one of those performers, once you know about him and you appreciate him, he is in the palm of your hand. Yeah, he's a magnificent yeah. guy. He is so funny. We did an interview live, but we also interviewed Dame Edna uh, on the phone, and it was so vulgar we couldn't put it to air. <laughs> it was shocking. He was so naughty and so funny because he'd met us a few times, and he always used to say, look, I know they call you grubby, but you're from a, a nice, leafy eastern suburb, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And your wife, you both are from Map 59 and the Melways, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. He's right, aren't you? You know. All right, all right, you know. Where did you go? Did you go to Wesley or did you go to Caulfield Grammar? <laughs> oh, it was Wesley. I thought it might be. And your wife? Where did she go? Cora. Oh, yes, that's a nice little school, isn't it? You know, he, he, he was like that. And so he, but once you, you get him, he gets you and he's magnificent. He's a generous, wonderful, intelligent, lovely man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I need- so he, and when, I, when he was first coming around, when I first met him, because I'd only seen him on stage. <sighs> Barry Humphreys. Yeah. But he's great. I remember we had him in at Fox and we had a, 
a live read to do, which are very expensive for clients. And it was for Melbourne's cheapest cars. So I'm sitting next to Barry. I'm just about to go to Andy. I said, do you think Sir Lewis Patterson would like to have a look at this? And he picked up the paper and wrote you. <laughs> and Sir Lewis gave them five minutes of Melbourne's cheapest cars. Apparently the guys have still got the tape. It was unbelievable. So, but Les Patterson, just yeah. doing the Melbourne's most <laughs> reasonable cars. And you'll see their signs disfiguring the Moorabbin landscape from miles down the Nepean Highway. Sir Les, absolutely yeah. perfect. So a guy like that is gold. He's generous, but know your stuff. Know about him and appreciate what he's about. And I think most performers are like that. Now, you mentioned before about there's that aspect of, say, a, a guest comes in and, and they're trying to sell something and you're trying to facilitate them doing that. How much of, I suppose, the content of what you talk about is, is commercial in, in a certain way like that, where there is that element of they're, they're coming in to sort of, I suppose, fulfil their commercial arrangements in making an appearance for whatever they're trying to promote at that time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how much of, of, yeah, what you talk about is just sort of, I suppose, off the cuff in terms of what, what you think will be interesting? And well, it depends on them. It, and you've really got to read as you're doing it. Okay, we're here to promote that movie. We'll talk about that and what, what they liked about making it and what, what the crew were like and how it compared with and uh, when it's opening at Village Cinemas near you. And so you, 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 you get the business stuff right. You, you nail, it's up to you to nail the business stuff. And then whatever else happens around it, that's, that's the part that people will remember. It's a little bit like when the footy show first started. You actually sat down to watch the footy show because they were talking about the teams for the weekend. Okay, who are the cats playing? Who's in? Who's out? Now, the fun around it was a byproduct. It may happen, it might not happen, but you couldn't have one without the other. And that's why, you know, you watched the footy show last week and... You know, Shane Crawford and Billy Browns are doing something silly and you don't care because there's no teams this weekend, apart from JLT or whatever, you know. So you've got to have that reason for being. Whatever else happens outside there, and if the person's up for it, you sort of, yeah, you can have a bit of a little thing occasionally. And after being in the industry for so long, how do you stay fresh? Something, uh, life changes every day. Yeah. News, news happens all the time. And you come into work thinking... I'm just so looking forward to this. This this is such good fun. I'm 64. I don't I don't actually have to work as such because I'm still with the same wife and all that and been reasonably settled and sensible in my life and private life. Um, but you just do it for the pure enjoyment. And I'm not sure what's going to happen, for instance, on today's show. I'm really not quite sure what Glenn... Robbins, who's our first contributor, will come in and where the hour will go. But that's really exciting. But I've got great confidence in him and I've got confidence in Dede and I've got confidence in me that we'll have a good entertaining hour. But it's enormously enjoyable. So it's always the thrill of the not quite sure, not knowing. Always be prepared. You've got to be fantastically prepared. But once you're prepared, then stuff can go out different ways because if that's not working, then you can always come back to what you were preparing to do in the first place. Well, I imagine that's where someone like Barry Humphreys would be so good to, to be around and work with because you can develop that trust through the rapport that you have and obviously Absolutely. he's going to take the show away. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, that's right. And once he's confident that, yeah, you, you know your stuff and uh, you're a friend and, uh, you know, away it goes, then, then you perform. 
So you got that, yeah, you're right. You've got that lovely confidence and that great feel because none of us are going to let each other down, ever. So that's great. How, how are some of the ways that you've noticed the format change over the years? So you mentioned the footy show and uh, maybe the footy show's sort of original, uh, one of the things that people tuned in for was to find out the teams and stuff, yep. whereas these days with you know phones and the internet so yeah. prevalent, people don't need to no. do that as much. And I think the footy show, as an example, yeah. People is struggling a little bit with that yeah. in finding their new identity. So, for example, you know, the internet yep. came in yep. since you've been yep. working in Normal. radio. Did, did that make everything's much of a instant, difference? But radio yeah. has survived well yeah. because it's still an instant medium. I mean, you know, who watches the news on TV? We all know about it because we've been looking at our phones all day. Yeah. So you, you, you know stuff. Yeah. Um, newspapers, kind of going the same way. I mean, the, the age is really battling. The Herald Sun still has the funniest headlines and so people pick up the page and get outraged and all that sort of stuff. So they, they, they're doing okay despite themselves and, and it's an older demographic buying it. Um, but we've seen massive change. But we, we use it. I'm not bad on social media. Didi's brilliant on it. So we're, we're using it the whole time, the whole time. And it just feeds into what you're doing. And we've seen that really grow in the last 20 years enormously. Yeah. What about, I suppose, having the the perspective on Melbourne that you've had over the time, I imagine would be a really interesting way to sort of be a part of the city, really. So have you noticed, or from your aspect, have you noticed Melbourne change, I suppose, and do you get Absolutely. a sense of that yeah, massive, through the radio? Uh, yeah. Well, there's just more people and there's more diversity of people and uh, there's more interesting things going on in Melbourne. And I, I think one of the most important things about Broadcasting and and you know this is when you know Sydney broadcasters or an overseas broadcaster is going to be starting in Melbourne soon. They will have him leaning out a tram with a football, uh, wearing a Collingwood jumper and having coffee and uh, run to Street. But I mean, if you want to know what makes Melbourne tick, you've got to know the demographic that uh, eats in the Knox, uh, uh, you know, food hall at, at you know Knox City. You know, I mean, that's 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 the real Melbourne. That's the big Melbourne. So you've got to have a real idea of of not stereotyping, but the type of person you would probably find living in a certain area. So you've got to really know your suburbs very well, who lives there and what roads are there. And if someone's ringing up and saying, "Oh, what they're doing about it?" Oh, that'll be just down from Bell Street. Oh, yeah, just where the tram comes in. Oh, is that the number six tram that ends up in Glen Iris? That's the one that goes across Moreland Road. Yeah, you've got to know that. You don't live there, but you've just got to know that stuff. And so do you research yeah, look, that you, sort of stuff? Do you sort you, of go, look, say, you just know drive it. And, I think and check it out? Or? When people say, when do you prepare for your show, you're preparing 24 hours a day. You, you know, you see stuff. Like I was talking yesterday about how weird it felt when I was at a fish and chip shop in um, Port Melbourne and two fully patched banditos walked in now they were polite they were nice but i just you don't think of these guys with the with the colors on ordering kind of a flake couple of demis um steamed not fried and you know all, you just don't think of them you don't think of banditos eating fish and chips you think of them doing drug deals and beating people up stereotyping i know but you've you've just got to you've just got to sort of have your radar up all the time looking for little things that might be happening in your life that people can relate back to and when people say oh i could really relate to what you were talking about that's the best compliment you can get yeah 
I imagine that you'd have conversations with Richard about this sort of stuff in terms of comparing your viewpoints that yeah. you've both gained through radio. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, Richard yeah, uh, has enjoyed a really successful yeah, career himself. Right. Has there been any difference, do you think, from, uh, say, for example, Richard being on 774 and you having the pathway that you've had? What are some of the differences that have come out of, of being well, on different it's stations interesting because, that way? You know, Richard was um, doing... You know, we were rivals. When Triple M and Fox weren't the same station, we are different companies... Uh, we're actually rivals. We didn't care about it. And we just all talked about each other's secrets, you know, around at mum's place or something. And now, don't tell your brother this, but we're just about to give away $1,000 a morning. Oh, really? Oh, I won't say a word. Jeez, guess what we do? You know, we used to muck around a lot like that. Um, but Richard uh, went talk radio. We had 13 years, I think, with uh, 774. Uh, very successful, very good. I think he still missed there a bit. Um, he'd had enough, I think. They'd had enough of him, and I think he did enough of them. Um, but yeah, he he, I listened to him quite a lot because I was sort of going. I was living in the country quite a bit at Apollo Bay, and uh, I wasn't working full time, so I'd listen to him quite a lot, and I picked up a lot of what I now do on talk radio from him then, and I I guessed it on his program a couple of times, and that made me think, geez, I I don't mind this. So when the offer from AW came in to do weekends. Um, yeah, it, it it seemed attractive, and a, a lot of that's to do with listening to him, thinking, "Oh, yeah, we can, we can do that." Because most of most of when you're working on FM, FM music, they're always telling you to shut up and play the music. And you've got more things to say, but oh, I'm paying, I'm paying to talk, but no, no, please shut up and play the music. And that's that's fair enough. That's what people mainly tune in for. And now I believe that uh, with yourself and Richard both being in radio, there was a funny sort of happening where your contracts were six months apart. They would sort of, you'd come out of contracts six months apart, and I believe that you sort of yeah, we did. helped yeah, each we did. other a, a well, little you'd, bit. You'd yeah, talk, how you know, did that you'd happen? just slip it to management. Uh, you know, Richard's, yeah, he's a bit discontent. And, uh, oh, look, he's, uh, look, he's, I know his ratings are very, very good, but uh, a little bit discontent. And uh, we'd, bunk, we'd bunk at each other up all the time. Yeah, you know, he'd say the same thing. So, yeah, we, we, we look, we used to play around a bit because management don't realise that you're actually brothers, you know. Oh, I know they're rivals, so they won't talk about stuff and contracts. So, yeah, we'd, we'd boost each other up a bit. Yeah, it's fun. So, obviously, with Richard having the, uh, the 3XY program and, yep, absolutely and did. giving you your start yep. in many ways, how was that as a dynamic having... Four years younger, yeah. Five years yep. younger than you are? Four years younger, sorry. How was that as a dynamic having a younger brother who, I suppose, was for a while more established oh, look, in the that, field that oh, you were working in? I was just happy in. to be there. Yeah. I, I think I've always just happy, been happy yeah. to be there. I still am. Um, you know, I still sort of take that uh, thing, geez, what, they're really paying me for this, you know, attitude i've never really thought much outside that i've just been happy to be there um to be his danny man to be, if he's kylie i'm danny I'm, I'm i'm happy to be there you know and he he's done a lot of television he did 120 episodes of tonight live and he's done other shows he's occasionally on studio 10 hey had saturday a lot yeah um so his star sean right of the mind just happy to be there very happy to be there very grateful for the opportunity and um I've managed to make a good living out of it. And one of the reasons, it's, you know, it can be quite lucrative, but unfortunately showbiz people are notorious for pissing it up against the wall. And I'd already had a sort of a background in commerce and I was 30-something by the time I got into it, two children and a mortgage, married, you know, solid, all that. 
So I was kind of lucky that I thought, oh, great, well, you know, this, this money is for investing and, yes, I'll take their superannuation scheme rather than more cash and that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's been, I've been very happy. It's been very good to me. It owes me nothing. And uh, so I think where Richard's concerned, his, um, look, he, he, he always was a, was a brighter star. And I, well, I've just been thinking, well, oh, great, really? Yeah, I'm yeah, very happy to come into work, yeah, yeah. Was there any sense growing up that you two would go in, no, in the no, direction that you have um, gone? I, no. As I said earlier, I, n- I never really thought about it. Um, look, it's, it, it, it just happened like that. Was, from an outsider's point of view, it probably looked, gee, there's two brothers doing that. It's like the Finn brothers or the Minogue sisters or something like that. Oh, the Seymour brothers or, you know, people, you know, gee, they're, they both play guitar or they both sing or something like that. Uh, gee, they're both in radio. Look, I suppose it is a bit unusual but we've never thought of it like that and Richard comes in on our program uh, on Saturdays once a week when we're on air and uh, which is good so we do actually like working together it's good but I think we're both Michael Gadinsky told me 20 years ago he said oh I should get you two guys on a breakfast show and I could sell it and we could do this and I said, oh, fuck, we'd, we'd, we'd butt heads in no time we'd be far too alpha the two of us and um, you know I like working with DD as a partnership and I, I'm not sure whether Richard would be a, a partnership person because he's, you know, he, he, he's a leader and I, I am a bit of a one, but I've been used to being... Because you've got to be reasonably conciliatory in a partnership. I know my partner, Didi, is to me. So I don't think that it would have ever worked. But I like getting him in for an hour and, yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. Um, and now... You sort of haven't, I suppose, had the mm. most orthodox path path into radio, but looking at the situation now and how things have changed, what are some of the main ways that you think uh, it's different for someone who would want to get into radio now as opposed to when you were first coming through? Look, uh, different in some ways, um, but not necessarily in others. There, there are courses. Um, when I started in radio, people thought I was absolutely crackers. They said, this is ridiculous radio, you cannot... Possibly, I mean, coming from a middle-class background, you know, I was families full of lawyers and accountants were telling me that. I remember I was at a dinner party that people used to have in the 80s and this guy was lecturing me about the last two minutes and you shouldn't be doing it and you're bloody mad. And he worked for, seriously, he worked for Pyramid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's a job going. Yeah. So when I started, everything started going a bit weird. Everything was a bit different. It wasn't... The, the change was that you didn't work somewhere for all your life, 40 years of it and, and, and everything else. So now there is sort of, yeah, people are open to stuff. Yeah, there's a circus. You can, you can join a circus. You can, you can um, do kind of unusual, weird jobs. Whereas back when I was, went through school, well, the school I went to, Wesley College, was really good. They're very open to, I meet guys now who, you know, always go, you're doing that, are you? Really? God, that's a bit weird. It's not all lawyers and accountants. I think they all still go to Scotch. I think, mm. I think that's where they, they came from. Um, your school, Geelong College? Geelong College, yeah. Guy Pearce. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and so I think there's more encouragement of strange jobs, unusual jobs. My daughter went to Wesley College. Um, she was at the Glen Waverley campus, which is kind of more of a suburban type Situation. She did her last two years at St Kilda Road. And she said, well, gee, there's other dads with weird jobs here. Paul Kelly's kid was there. Fred Shepsey's kid was there. You know, so, oh, great, there's other dads with weird jobs. So, but, but nowadays I think having a so-called strange job where you don't wear a shirt and tie every day 
and you know do that isn't so unusual and there are more ways of getting in it's more accepting to get in getting in yeah know somebody good courses good flying hours knock on doors don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to ask that's that's the thing you've got to you've got to push it mate you've got to push it yeah you do and you've got to have confidence and you've got to accept knockbacks and uh nah nah just brick walls brick walls brick walls but if you've got the real passion for something you know it's the old thing you know i've um i've never worked a day in my life in radio ever yeah it's just been fun well yeah that that's one of the i suppose the the things that i've really got out of kind of doing this show a little yeah. bit is is how people do have a have a i suppose passion and yep. uh and they're able to follow it through these days because there's so many ways like podcasting yes. for example there's youtube you yep. can blog all this sort yep. of stuff there are ways i suppose oh, of, of so yeah, many practicing more. the flight hours which that's ma- exactly may right. not even necessarily have been the case sort of in the past no you're much. right oh no look you've you've got you've got enormous opportunity there's I suppose it's a bit different because there's more people who want to do so-called unusual things with their life, but it's it's so accepted now. It's all okay. Yeah, good idea. Go for it, mate. Yeah, good. Um, we you know we like you living at home or whatever you're doing. Just do what you got to do. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, earlier about DD having studied journalism, and then mm-hmm. you mentioned about courses again. Do you feel not having, say, studied journalism, do you feel that there's some, say, discrepancy between your education in some ways with Didi or, or was there at the start? Or I suppose Not, not really. I, look, I leave, I leave that sort of stuff to her. She's very, very good. Um, but she didn't, you know, in deference to her, she started, she was at RMIT and she lasted, she and Kaz Cook, the author and broadcaster Kaz, lasted about two weeks in there. And then she went and got a job with the Mornington Town Crier, I think it was, and Frankston Standard after that. She she was a doer and a worker. So she kind of got her journalistic chops by working rather than um, studying, you know. And look, I think, look, there's always going to be elements of both. It's that old thing, you know. He's very, very well qualified, but a complete dickhead. So... (laughs) The, 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 there's, there's elements of both. It's good, it's good to have a few numbers after your name. Nobody remembers your ATAR score. I think they remember it for about two weeks. You know. Yeah, I tried not to tell people mine sort of thing because yeah. I just didn't like the idea of being defined by a number like Yeah, that. wow, you got 95. Yeah, exactly. Good on you. You yeah, must be a... No, I'm not. I'm just me. Well, it's tough on kids as well because I know... I agree. Yeah, and, and sc- schools often tell people sort of you can expect this or, you know, this is your predicted score or That's whatever. Right, and so it's just a it's tough thing to oh, deal with I coming out of school. It's impossible. I mean, in 1971 when I left Wesley, I think our VCE or whatever it was then, was 68%. Now, you couldn't put that on a billboard nowadays a true education 68 percent pass rate what i'm paying that money for that but it, that wasn't the point but you know i i agree i think i i think you know scores and courses and everything are it's 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 look it's about your emotional intelligence and the person but you know we all know that and just finally do you have any advice for anyone sort of coming through who would want to replicate elements of your career progression i imagine it probably would wouldn't necessarily be able to happen exactly the same way mm. but but uh, uh yeah are there any elements that, that you would yeah you would advise don't, someone to yeah, try and recreate don't give up yeah. don't get too angry with things don't spit the dummy necessarily um i remember a girl i worked with years ago was a an on-air presenter she was also a music director at the station. And they uh, said, look, we're going to change music directors 
but we're going to keep you on the same salary and you've still got your afternoon job. Well, she threw the glow mesh into the shag pile, but she hasn't been in radio since. What she should have done is, okay, that's a kick in the teeth, but um, I've still got my gig. The check's not going to bounce. I'll see what else is happening. And in time, she would have been another music director somewhere else. Something would have happened. Don't, don't, don't get too bloody angry and, and don't let your ego get in the way too often. But I'm better than that. I should be. That's okay. It's all right. And be prepared to just, just get in there and hang about a bit um, at, while, while trying to maintain the passion. Because everyone says it's a bit brutal, but it's no more brutal than any other job. Uh, the National Australia Bank made a massive profit. They're laying off 6,000 people. We won't read one of those names in the paper, but if I got the sack tomorrow, you'd read about it. Oh, radio is terrible. Well, yeah, so is any business. It's, it's commercial. I work in the commercial world, and and don't give up on that sort of thought. It's it's for commerce. Is this going to work for them? Is this, you know, they're going to make money out of me? Good. Good on them. I'll make money out of them too. You know. well, yeah, I think that's a yeah, that's a great piece of advice. And um, one thing I suppose that I've I've come to learn in a way in the last few years since I've sort of been trying to make my own way professionally and that sort of thing is that there's there's so m- many elements of luck involved in in getting anywhere really. Yeah. And so essentially, life's a numbers game, and you've sort of just kind got of to is. put yourself in the position to yeah to yeah benefit from I agree. Yeah, and take your cu- cubic centimeter of chance. As yeah, absolutely right, Ryan. And the thing, yeah, it's like Richmond winning the flag last year. You've got to have that little bit of luck. Yeah. It's like when the Swans won in '05. Nick Davis shouldn't have kicked that last goal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I think yeah. it might be, but I mean, that, it, it shouldn't happen. You've got to have yeah. that. Just gee, that was gee, it's all going to plan, isn't it? You know, so you've got to have that little bit of. Gee, I met that person, and he liked me, and he's an influence, and she's good, and she reckons, and she told me, and now I've met that person. So yeah, there's there's elements of it, but a lot of it, you make your own. Um, you know, it's all cliche, but you do make your own to a degree, but. Don't give it away, you know, and keep confidence because you're pretty good at what you do. And you think, yeah, I can do this and I like this. And um, if, if I love what I do, I'm going to be good at it. Then money's a byproduct. It doesn't really matter. You're not doing it for, geez, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be driving a Ferrari by the end of next year. <laughs> Never crossed my mind yeah. once when I first started in radio. As I said earlier, what? You're paying me for this? Please. It's like that. Well, Grubby, thank you so much for speaking to me today. I've, Pleasure, I've, mate. Yeah, really enjoyed the opportunity chatting to you. Good to meet you. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan.